Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Contemporary Educator, the podcast dedicated for all of my fellow teachers out there who are trying to balance the many demands placed on The Contemporary Educator. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen peoples of the Esquimalt and Songhees nations. So I'm really excited. We have a special guest today, Miriam Campbell, who specializes and is an expert in naturally integrated social-emotional learning. She has a host of experience both in and out of the classroom and has developed the program Skills for Connection, which is a teacher training program that uh, trains teachers how to implement social emotional learning into their curriculum, into their classroom. So since Miriam can introduce herself far more eloquently than I just did, I'm going to now welcome Miriam. Thanks, Kim. Appreciate that. Uh, so I actually didn't even start out there. I was really, uh, I started out as a speech therapist and uh, I always focused on social skills and language, the cognition, that component of speech language pathology, which many people are like, oh, I thought it's stuttering or, you know, articulation or things like that, which it, there is, there's fabulous, fabulous clinicians doing beautiful work that happens not to be the thing that I focus on you know, primarily. Uh, and I was in, working in schools. And so I would come to the classroom. I'm sure you have your speech therapists that come to your classrooms and, uh, you know, interrupt your class <laughs> and pull out your students right when you need them and then come and try and talk to you and tell you what things afterwards they want you to be implementing. Uh, that was me. <laughs> Sorry about that. But uh, the truth is, is that um, what I found was that the work that the teachers were doing was so, so integral that without the, the collaboration with my teachers, the work that I was doing in my therapy sessions was, uh, you know, almost laughable because of the, because of compared to the amount of time that the teachers are with this, with the students. So that was really where I made a transition. Um, I went back to school for social work, learned more about the emotional components of things um, and then actually decided to go into the classroom myself as a teacher because I really do believe so strongly in the teacher's power and uh, and opportunity to be able to support our kids social emotional development so that was a uh, that was sort of my wow. journey to this point where um, once I was in the classroom <laughs> and this is the joke because I got to the classroom with the uh, you know the my, my goal was to be able to implement social emotional learning in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And I was planning on bringing all the things I had learned as a speech therapist and as a social worker. And then I stepped into the teacher role and found that first of all, teachers are our heroes. <laughs> I don't think I realized to what extent until I became a teacher and recognized the responsibilities that teachers have as even if, aside from like just the academic learning, the, you know, photocopying and knowing what days the secretary will do photocopies and <laughs> keeping track of which are the core courses that the student can leave or cannot leave. And then, you know, attendance and discipline and all the different components, which really all are connected to social emotional learning, but also have, uh, you know, a functional just component that requires focus and attention and energy and everything like that. So I found that with all my good intentions of going into the classroom and I'm, okay, I'm great. I'm going to go do, you know, social emotional learning, you know, with, and, and be able to teach also my curriculum. I found it very, very challenging, mm -hmm. um, which is really how I got to the point now where I, you know, the work that I do really supports teachers in a way that doesn't require more time and actually mm -hmm. is supportive um, to teachers, which helps them with behaviors and helps mm -hmm. them with the and helps them with, uh, you know, just the 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 dynamics that they're they're so involved in mm -hmm. on a day to day basis. So that's really what I do now um, is through skills for connection. Um, my company is we you know I go and I do teacher trainings and uh, teacher coaching and things like that to be able to support our amazing teachers <laughs> in their amazing work in the classrooms with the one to one that really has such unlimited potential. It's incredible. One of the pieces that you touched on there, you know, that's so big is the, the not having time and feeling like we don't have time as educators to implement all of these other things. And when you say classroom management is takes up such a huge portion of our curricular time, our relationship building time, all of these things. But if you're doing it in, in a socially aware way and, and you're aware of emotions, then 
you don't have to have that same, you don't have to have that same structure that eats up all of this time because it's kind of built in to the system. Exactly. And, and Kim, like that's, that's really the thing, the paradigm shift that Mm -hmm. um, I support our teachers with is is really recognizing that instead of those things being, you know, in competition with what we're trying to educate our kids with, it becomes actually the medium those, mm-hmm. those, uh, the things like attendance, the things like, um, you know, either like class, classroom rivalry issues, clicks mm-hmm. issues, bullying issues, um, even just behavioral issues, uh, walking in the hallway, all the, all the different components that we as teachers are just involved with. Mm-hmm. They don't become extra burdens that we're dealing with that are getting in the way of our math lesson or that are getting in the way of our social studies lesson, they become the conduits conduits of how we actually teach our students about life skills that they need in tandem with their language skills, in tandem with their cognitive skills, in tandem with their the, the baseline functionality. It all becomes part of this, uh, this beautiful framework and tapestry and and the beautiful thing is that it doesn't require more effort that that, it's funny because when I started I didn't really intend like I I really started honestly like as a a way to support my the students so how Mm -hmm. do I get the students to instead of having half hour sessions Mm -hmm. and then not have any carryover and that was really how I started that was really my intention and the thing that um which really like blew me away was the teacher's response of how they found it supportive, like how the perspective taking skills that they were working with the students and this emotional regulation skills and the uh, conversation skills and the, you know, self-awareness, the mindfulness, Mm -hmm. all the different components that we teach in skills for connection, how the teachers found it helpful, Mm -hmm. how they found that they were able to be more forgiving of their own teaching and then their own, you know, uh, addressing their own stresses and their own feelings of burnout or overwhelm or anxiety, sorry, anxieties or perfectionism that they were trying to support their students with, they actually found it helpful and supportive for themselves. And that Mm -hmm. I did not count on. In in hindsight, I should have, but I didn't, you know, because whenever whenever we are in a dynamic or a dance within our own psyche, of course it impacts the people in our, you know, we're, we're not, we don't, we are an islands upon ourselves, you know, <laughs> we're, we're only, we're in, we're all about connection. We're all, that's, that's part of life, the mo- a beautiful part, you know, wonderful purpose. But I, I didn't, re- I didn't recognize that initially. I didn't mm-hmm. know that that was going to be a support for our teachers. I, mm-hmm. I thought, this is going to be helpful for our students to be able to, during their social studies lesson, reinforce lesson, reinforce whatever they had, uh, you know, learned in their therapy sessions, whatever they whatever they were doing with persuasion or you know problem solving techniques or any any of the tools that we work on. That that was really my focus, mm-hmm. but I, I really um, I've been so pleasantly surprised about this you know, huge and, and really that's become very much a focus point that, you know, principals will reach out to me and be like, okay, well, our staff feels burnt out or our staff needs support. And like, I'm teaching them tools technically that help the students, but actually the focus that many of the principals and teachers are looking for is we need support and we need help. And, and, and that interplay actually, I, I see as like one of the, the most beautiful ways of teaching our students because you know, we can't, my math teacher in middle school, Mr. D, he always used to tell us math is not an observational sport. (laughs) That's what he was saying out of sheer frustration of uh, the lack of uh, engagement. (laughs) You know, like you actually have to pick up your pencil and do exercises. So how, you know, obviously that much more so, you know, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about uh, social emotional development, but when the students see a teacher be able to say like, I need to take a deep breath. I'm feeling overwhelmed and modeling that Mm -hmm. the same tools that we want our students to be using or to be able to be like, wow, I'm sorry. I got so frustrated before and being able to Mm -hmm. apologize or, um, you know, being able to say like, you know what, I need a problem solve right now and talk out the process Mm -hmm. we want our students to be using. And, you know, the different processes that I teach that don't require more time. You're doing it anyways in the classroom. You're Mm -hmm. anyways, you know, doing a lesson on, on uh, how to come up with a paragraph and like the brainstorming thing, but being yeah. able to put it within the context of flexible thinking, of growth 
you said. And just the, the synthesis of being able to see everything we're doing in the classroom as part and parcel of supporting ourselves emotionally and socially and supporting our students. Mm-hmm. That, that really is what I feel so passionate about. Yeah. And I, I think when you talk about teacher burnout, one of the things that I, I notice from educators when we do experience burnout is when we are met with a problem in our classrooms where we feel like there's no solution. And a huge part of that is when we feel like we don't have relationships with the students, they aren't learning anything, and we feel like we can't overcome this hurdle of this this like cycle that happens where they come in, they are already presenting with behaviors that we are struggling to navigate. And we feel as educators that we have no way out of that situation. And, and because our primary goal as educators is what we want to do to help the students. And like you said, how you started out was how can I better support these students? And when we're at a loss of how to do that, that's when we start to see burnout. And so this cycle that you're, that you're mentioning here, you know, I think is so powerful that if you have these tools that feel really natural for you to use and you can implement those in your classroom, then you're, you're not going to be met with that same level of burnout because you know that you're providing students with these tools that will be helpful. And you're also giving yourself a lot of grace when they maybe aren't helpful in that moment, but it's, it's maybe tomorrow that student's going to access that tool. And maybe tomorrow you'll be able to access it with them and model what that looks like. And I think that's, there's a lot of power provided to the teacher and to the student when it's that kind of symbiotic relationship like that. Yes, you're right. You're so right, Kim. You're so, so right. It's really, it's really powerful. Like I'll have, um, I I once did a a staff training and the principal came over to me afterwards and, you know, I was working on a specific model, like uh, our self-awareness mirroring model, um, which doesn't, you know, again, like, all the approaches, all the constructs that I teach are all things that you implement in your math lesson naturally. So like you see like the students about to have a meltdown and starts crumpling up their paper. How, how do you engage with that? Because at the end of the day, if you don't know how to engage with it, as you're saying, and you feel like helpless, and then you feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm not accomplishing. Mm-hmm. So you have a tool to walk away with. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that the tool, that this specific tool helps you with that the teacher, the principal had mentioned to me is that it allows for choice and it allows for, you know, um, respect of that choice. Mm. So I see you're crumpling up the paper. I think something's bothering you. I feel concerned. I choose to ask you about it. Now, whenever we start showing them that connection of what our students are experiencing. Now, anyways, your student is crumbling up the paper. You're anyways going to have to address it. It doesn't require more time to be able to tell them and give them those links Mm -hmm. of your process, which then teaches them and models for them. First of all, how they're coming across. It creates that self-awareness for them to understand they have a self. And then there is another that is going to be experienced and interacting with that, with that, with their self. Mm -hmm. And, then being able to own the choice that we have at the end of it. Mm-hmm. So what the principal had mentioned to me that, that um, she said that she found helpful for her teachers was that when the teachers were, like they didn't respond the way they wanted to. And they said like, okay, so like I see the student turn the light off while I'm teaching. I think the class is about to erupt in chaos. I feel helpless. Mm-hmm. I choose to run out of the classroom. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I choose to scream. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You know, or let's say scream. Okay. Yeah. I choose to scream at the kid. Now, um, what this, what this model does is allows you to then be able to do it again. So then you say, okay, I see I'm screaming at this, at the kids. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm a horrible teacher. I feel shame. I choose to continue screaming because I'm feeling in this place of shame or I choose to take a deep breath. Mm. Okay, I see myself taking a deep breath after I'm screaming. I'm thinking, I'm trying to regulate myself. I'm mm-hmm. feeling hopeful. I choose and mm. then that that process of being able to forgive our own selves in mm-hmm. our journey mm-hmm. of educators, that first of all, the modeling of that skill mm-hmm. is so powerful for our students. But what the principal was mentioning was it changed the culture from being one of the school culture of being one of like, I have to hide my mistakes that I made from, let's say my boss mm-hmm. or from myself. I can't admit that I just screamed at my student mm-hmm. or I lost it for a minute. 
And that acceptance and self-forgiveness allows us to actually improve because then you can then go to your coworker and be like, oh my gosh, like I just, I just felt like I lost it. I feel, I feel like I I don't, that's not who I want to be as an educator. That's not what I want for myself as an educator. How can I get into a new cycle? And then that the conversation and the, and the, the culture of the school Mm -hmm. is able to, you know, undergo an adjustment, which is really what we want to see with Kids. It allows you to be both an educator and a human being, exactly. Which exactly. is which is a huge thing. A lot of educators don't feel like they're given space to also be human, right? Because I they love don't, that. yeah. Because they don't see. Because what we see is we want to be role models. For, why can't we be human? Is we want to be role models. We want to be educators. Our goal is to give to the students as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So for me to be non-perfect is actually going to provide my. St- student a model for what that looks like for repair Mm -hmm. oh when I'm not when I lose it when I'm frustrated when I'm angry because these feelings are going to happen pandemics do happen wars do happen but we don't have to be we don't have to be victims where okay there's nothing and helpless there's nothing I can do let me see okay so what what kindness can I do in this space of pain in this pain in the space of smallness within my own, you know, frustration and my anger, how can I grow and develop myself? Mm -hmm. And that really um, addresses so many of the core issues that we're seeing. Um, You know, there's such a a push for, so, you know, even just, uh, you know, the the big thing nowadays is, you know, neurodiversity support and making sure that there's no like racial biases and things like Mm -hmm. that. And when we come at it from, let's say, those, those are like symptomatic, of a mm-hmm. core issue, which is the core issue, which is compassion and empathy. And that is the place where we should be focusing because those are just expressions of it. Mm-hmm. And if we can address within the classroom, what that looks like for self-empathy, for a teacher to be able to say like, I'm, I, I'm, I, I got so angry. I felt my, you know, and be able to describe what happened to them. I, I, you know, my, I, my blood started boiling. My armpits started sweating. My face turned red. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see for a second. And I screamed at you. I'm, I need to next time, try and take a deep breath, mm-hmm. you know, or I want to try and practice taking a deep breath and just even modeling that for our students, which is crazy vulnerable thing for a teacher to do. But can you imagine what the students are learning from that mm-hmm. moment? So. Yeah. And imagine like the changes in behaviors when you're seeing that in a class and mm-hmm. how to, if you've modeled what that looks like when you're noticing these behaviors that can feel really challenging to navigate at the time when yes. you can say to them, so what are you thinking right now? What are you feeling right now? What are you choosing? And you're going through those steps with a student. Well, when you saw me responding in that way, what did you think, feel, Mm -hmm. and and then, you know, you can come back to it and really, I love that. That's brilliant. So it's it's a construct that we're teaching. So when I, Mm -hmm. when I teach, um, you know, I do a training, we start off, we do that construct. The first thing we do is we model it Mm -hmm. because we want them to see it. So that's why I'm saying like, if let's say the teacher says like, I saw this, you know, and I, Mm -hmm. I thought this, I felt this, and then I chose to scream Mm -hmm. and then, and then say, and then I chose to take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. Um, then we start a listening, like what you just said, like, then we, you know, the next step is let's say, you know, modeling other people so they can learn how to read and empathize with other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, she came in, you know, she thought, she thought it's her first day of school. She thought that, um, she's not going to know anybody and she's feeling nervous Mm -hmm. and she chose to sit quietly by herself and just sort of like, you know, creating that, that connection between what it is that we see objectively, what our own subjective um, personal thought and feeling is connected to it. And then ultimately really empowering our students to recognize their choice, Mm -hmm. their choices, regardless of diagnosis, regardless of uh, family situation, regardless of cultural situation or anything like that, but empowering them instead, you know, leaving the victim mentality and empowering them to see like, oh, you have choice and I have choice and she has choice. She chose to sit quietly on the side. Now, what are you going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you see? You see her sitting on the side. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You think that maybe she's feeling lonely. How do you feel? Oh, I feel, you know, compassion for her. Or let's say they say, I feel nothing. I feel numb or apathetic. Mm-hmm. And then 
when you have the conversation and they can start recognizing how they're feeling, then from that place of honesty where they really are, lots of they're feeling apathetic. Okay, you're feeling apathetic right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's interesting, when I see that student, I'm feeling compassion. Now you didn't tell them, oh, you're bad for feeling apathetic, yeah, yeah. but you've modeled for them an alternative approach. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could be apathetic towards someone else's pain mm-hmm. or we could feel compassion. And we could choose to, you know, go sit with, you know, sit with her, mm-hmm. or we could choose, uh, you know, if they're, it's a religious person, you could choose to pray for her, or you could choose to maybe, you know, share a snack if that's a school allowed mm-hmm. ruler, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but just that, that framework where all the constructs are taught within that, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't even have to be like, so you know, those things are very social, obviously, but even, um, I have, I have teachers who, um, who I've been teaching how to do this just within their math lesson. Like mm-hmm. I see a page full of numbers. I think, you know, or like, Sue, what do you think? I think that this is going to be impossible. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling overwhelmed and I choose to rip up the paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, and what do you, and what about you, Bob? What do you see? Oh, I see a page full of numbers. I think this is going to be so cool. Hey, mm-hmm. isn't that interesting? The same exact piece of paper, and we could have different perspectives about it. Mm-hmm. We don't have to. And, and, and it just sort of opens our your students' minds to being able to like see our world as, um, as, as flexible and as uh, broad mm-hmm. and as, you know, supporting that growth mindset, supporting that uh, flexible thinking. And, mm-hmm. and um, it's, just, it's just a very powerful tool. It's so it's very dynamic. That, that's yeah. what I'm finding. One of the things in my counseling approach that I talk about mm-hmm. often is agency. And so when students, you know, when they're experiencing behavior stuff or emotional stuff, they'll I'll often hear uh, when it's related to anger in particular, I'll often hear, oh, I, I saw red and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do anything about it. And it's, you know, you could have those. So let's, let's actually unpack that a little bit. And, you know, you were angry. And so you hit a wall, let's say you punched a wall. Okay. But you, you didn't punch your little brother's head. Mm -hmm. So there's a choice there. You didn't want your brother to hurt, but you wanted to get out the anger. So let's talk about what that looked like. And Mm -hmm. when were there other times when you felt really angry, when you maybe went into your bedroom or you, uh, you know, went for a walk or you did something totally different than punching the wall. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, reframes like what you're saying is these are, these are, there's freedom and choice in all of these things. And when you feel like you've got choice and that there's agency, now you feel empowered to make a different choice next time if you want to. And that's huge, huge yeah. for behavior and for, for emotional learning. It's really a game changer. It really, mm-hmm. really is. I'm, I'm thinking of um, one student I'm, um, I'm going to blur the uh, demographics and things like that, yeah, that's fine. but, um, uh, he had, he was diagnosed with ADHD and he struggled tremendously, um, with being able to be part of the class. Mm. And, you know, I, I saw him actually one-on-one, um, you know, I, I, now I've, do, you know, mostly doing trainings for, you know, school counselors and teachers, school, you know, staff training, things like that and parent coaching, but I actually had been seeing him, um, and something that struck me so, so strongly where uh, there's this, such an emphasis now of like everyone accept me as I am, um, it actually didn't empower him in his own choice. He mm-hmm. kept on saying, my teacher needs to understand me that I have ADHD. My classmates need to understand if I punch them that I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, they have to make accommodations for me. And that, um, that, dialogue, that internal dialogue that he was telling himself actually was crippling him because over time when he started recognizing, oh, you know, certain times his ADHD was less, like Mm -hmm. when he had social, you know, when he was more cognizant socially of how his, you know, interplay with other people, uh, you know, there was times that his ADHD that he felt like he could control it. Mm -hmm. The more that it became about, you know, like, like, uh, like victim mentality where I don't have choice here. Mm -hmm. This is somebody else's responsibility to take care of, um, was actually very, very, um, 
unhealthy for him. Mm-hmm. And it's this tricky balance where I, I find myself again and again, you know, and people say like, oh, you don't, you don't have empathy for people of ADHD, you know, God forbid, like I, I care tremendously. I, I can't tell you how many students I've worked with who I've seen really tremendous pain and, you know, we've helped support them and, and figure out how, what, what would best, but if the idea is, is that we have a struggle, let's fall into it. Mm-hmm. is a very different idea as educators than we want to provide for them. We want, because think about it, like who are the people you respect the most are the people who know how to overcome mm-hmm. the people who, you know, who take the, the challenges in their life and blossom from them and, and thrive from them who take it and they learn, okay, so where, how can I excel the most? Okay. So let's say, uh, Oh, I know that I have ADHD. I know that I'm a fabulous, I'm fabulous at being able to be a, coordinator between a hundred different dynamics because I can think of a bunch of things at once and you know and being able to utilize those tools and tapping into our strengths and also owning the fat the places where it's challenging mm-hmm. and that's part of it it's all it's all part of it because when we're in the classroom and we see our students struggling with these things and we see the rest of the class struggling and we see ourselves struggling with our mm-hmm. students who have ADHD and are disrupting the class and you know are bothering the other students and how do we help the other students understand them how do we have more space for them but how do we also help that student themselves be able to be more uh more adept in the classroom where they'll be able to sit in a board meeting with their future boss and be able to function in a dynamic. How do we support that? And that's really the the tools that we talk about where, you know, the progress, not perfection and the, um, the, the self-awareness and the problem solving and the emotional regulation and those components where Mm -hmm. we're saying, you know, you have choice, Mm -hmm. here are tools. Let me give you tools. And even if they make a, you know, a bad choice, you know, quote, unquote, you know, yeah, a bad choice. I would say punching somebody is a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel, I don't feel uh, hesitant about that. On the self-defense. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, where, where if they're making a, a bad choice, what we as teachers can feel empowered. Okay. I know how, to, I know how to deal with this. So the student might still make a bad choice at the end of the day. They might continue punching them, but I, as a teacher know that I've provided the support that I can. Mm-hmm that is huge. Like mm-hmm. I've empowered my students to realize they have choices, even in their challenges. Mm-hmm. I can encourage and inspire growth and over, you know, and transcendence and accomplishment and, and, uh, achievement and, mm-hmm. um, self-mastery, all these beautiful, you know, adults, uh, you know, the real word of adults, <laughs> ways of living and of, of, interacting as self and other and that interplay that's really something that I feel mm-hmm. very strongly about mm-hmm. and supporting our educators and our our school counselors and being able to help our kids with help them be able to recognize like we believe in you more than you see you think you're you're going to be stuck by your diagnosis you're not mm-hmm. you're not you have this diagnosis you you can flourish with it mm-hmm. you can thrive with it you have to own it you have to take your, you know, own your choices, own your, uh, own the challenges that you have. And then let's, let's, let's dance with it. Mm-hmm. Let's fly with it. Let's see how we can help you grow, you know, mm-hmm. to your best self. Yeah. And this is a pre- pretty revolutionary approach, especially in an age right now where it seems like, uh, there are students who are, I'm at the high school level and I, I see students who are seeking diagnoses for, all sorts of, of experiences that they're having in school. And some of which, you know, it, it makes sense that a diagnosis could really help. And then some others, it's, um, it's almost as though they're just looking for answers for things that are pretty typical experiences. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's revolutionary to think that we can teach the, the bigger construct here, the bigger piece of what social emotional learning is so that yes. we don't, emotions don't have to be something that's diagnosed. You can experience all these things without a diagnosis. Yes. And that's huge. And I'm so with it being so kind of new and forward thinking. And I would say that, that even though we're starting to see more of this kind of work in schools, it's, it's still arguably a smaller percentage. Um, People don't like when I say this, Kim, it's very, (laughs) people do not, they say, you're not, you're not being accepting. You're not being, you're not being understanding. You're not having compassion. What about vulnerability? Mm. And I, I just believe that all those things are the way to towards growth. We have acceptance, not so that way we stay there. 
the purpose of acceptance isn't so that way we can wallow. Oh, I, I have this, you know, we don't tell somebody who has um, uh, psychosis, please continue to fantasize in this delusion that you are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Like if you have anger, we don't say like, okay, continue practicing your anger. So when we see something that's not functioning for our students, it's getting in the way of their relationships. It's getting in the way of their self-love. How many kids do we see that have depression, that have anxiety, that that come out of these things because we're, we're telling them, yeah, this is who you are. And with good intent, we're trying to say, accept yourself, love yourself. It's all coming from good intention. But when we stop there, that's when we actually are not believing in their bigness. We're, we're, we're almost, um, we're not, we're, uh, it's like when we say like to somebody like, oh, they can't do better. Mm-hmm. They can't do better. And, and I don't believe that because I see students, I see students get to a place of acceptance, a, a place of love, that vulnerability of being able to acknowledge I have challenges, love myself for my challenges, and then thrive. Mm-hmm. But if we don't go to the place where, yes, this is actually a place where I'm experiencing challenge, I'm not going to lie to myself and say, oh, this isn't hard. I'm not going to tell myself, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to stay in my room with my iPad all day because socialization is hard. I'm not going to say, oh, that's just an alternative way of living. I don't believe that. I think that people are, are you know, Brittany Brown says hardwired for connection. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we are meant to be, uh, you know, we weren't created on an island. We all mm-hmm. were in a community. You know, we're not, we're not lone, lone wolves or I guess mm-hmm. But, but uh, that's a bad example. But, you know, <laughs> we, we're, we're social beings. We're so mm-hmm. that's, we always have been since the beginning. We've always been social yeah. beings. And to, to empower our students that the challenges that you have, yes, let's see them. Yes, let's think about where we can, you know, really let our, our differences shine and our, you know, but we have to think about it within the sense of a community mm-hmm. because there isn't, uh, um, one of the things in my book, I have a, a children's book, a social skills book called Bubble Double. And um, it's a framework that that supports social skill development. It's, um, it's you know, I, have, I have, was working for a long time and reading all these social skills books, but I felt like there wasn't like a way for our students to have like a container for the concepts. They didn't mm. understand like, oh, it's for the sake of connection. I'm not telling you, oh, you have to have eye contact or whatever mm-hmm. i'm saying for the sake of connection the other person's not going to know you're interested unless you're looking in their direction they're not going to know mm-hmm. that you're interested they're, how should they know mm-hmm. all they see is that you're not that you're not looking mm-hmm. they don't see you responding mm-hmm. so how should they know so it sort of just creates a visual framework as a bubble that we share the space and all the social skills uh things that help us with connection are within that shared space so if you want your bubble to to thrive we have to greet somebody when we enter this space. That's how we get mm-hmm. into the. We want to leave this space. We have to say goodbye. It pops the bubble if we're too far away, you know, and where the whole class is up over there and we're all the way back there. We're no longer part of the bubble, mm-hmm. you know, or just all the different social rules and social skills that naturally help connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is also nowadays, there's a huge push for like, don't, don't teach kids that they have to have eye contact. Everyone has different ways of communicating. I believe everyone has different ways of communicating. And we have to teach that there, when we're trying to connect with another, we have to think about the other person because mm-hmm. we're trying to connect with them. So we can't just say demand, oh, you have to understand me. For me, making eye contact is hard, understand me. Mm-hmm. I'm released from any of my, we have to see, okay, there's another person. They're not, how should they know that I'm paying attention? Mm-hmm. They're feeling first, they keep calling my name. Why do they keep calling my name? No. So the, mm-hmm. the, the concept of the, the bubble in this book, mm-hmm. um, really does uh, give them a visual framework, uh, mm-hmm. be able to, to contain the concepts. Mm-hmm. I forgot why I was telling you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we were talking yeah. about, yeah, about how you've kind of been met with some resistance yeah. in terms of, oh, I remember what it was. yeah, of, around <laughs> uh, diagnoses and saying, you know, well, yeah, you can have these challenges, acknowledge the challenges, but also acknowledge that it's okay to work through some of them and that there are skills that you can develop to make your life with these challenges, not feel so difficult. Right. Right. And, and be able to have connection. Uh, th- so one yeah, of the exactly. steps in the, in the book is about matching. 
It's like check, match, and stick. Those are the three steps that are taught in the book and all the skills are within that framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people say like, well, why are you telling them to conform to society? Like, why can't they just be an individual? So I believe what you want to do when you're working, when you're educating a child is open as many doors for them as possible. Mm-hmm. That's why we have electives. Like not every kid is going to be a computer programmer, but we have computer class mm-hmm. and not every kid is going to be an artist, but we have art, you know, art class because mm-hmm. we want to open doors for our kids. So if a student is very unique, which is usually the students that are, are usually present the ones that we're trying to figure out how can I support them? How can I, you know, run a classroom? And we teach them how they can be part of a group. They are individuals. Automatically, these, these kids are individuals, but we teach them, okay, there's also a way to conform and to grow. And then once you know that skill, then we say, okay, let's, let's find your individuality. Let's, let's, let's blossom it. And it doesn't have to be in that sequence or but the, the concept is that we are, we're about connection. So mm-hmm. you want to be able to share your individuality with somebody. You have to have enough shared space that you can share it with them. If you don't have the same, a shared language and you're trying to talk to them in Chinese and they are busy speaking Portuguese. And then you say, okay, well, I want you to, you know, you should be able to speak Chinese. It's your right. Mm-hmm. It's your, it's, you have such a beautiful language. You need to speak Chinese. Yes. But if you want them to be able to speak to other people who speak Portuguese, then you teach them another language of right. Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And that's really the um, one of the things that I, I find that therapists are uh, have been struggling with because they're getting such a strong message of you have to make sure and teachers, you have to make sure that you're being accepting of all types. And there's not really this voice of this tool is actually going to help them be better understood by other people Mm -hmm. when it's not, it's not cruel. It's not trying to be exclusionary or elitist or anything like that. Let's share with them about perspectives. Let's share with them. A lot of self-advocacy in that I would imagine that there's actually a lot of opportunity for students to say and feel okay about saying, Hey, this is something I have a hard time with. What about you? Yes. Yes. And sharing and rejoicing in each other's differences and acknowledging that that's okay. But there's also ways that they can find connection and similarity as well as those differences. Exactly. And, and, and that is the, it's a subtlety. Everything has become so black and white when we, ta- when we take the time, mm-hmm. you know, to focus on the fact that there is subtlety in this, it's not mm-hmm. all, Oh, if you teach social skills, then you're not respecting neurodiversity. Or if you're teaching social emotional development, then you're not respecting that people have their, you know, so he has anxiety, leave him alone. Don't bother him. Mm-hmm. No, no, let's trust that we can actually support this child. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's help them be able to be, give a, open as many doors for themselves as possible so they can become empowered to live as full lives as possible like that that nuance um and it sounds obvious because it is like i think we all in our hearts have that like when you know there's something very um uh evocative about having like a very black and white approach of oh there is either neurodiversity or there isn't neurodiversity Mm -hmm. or there is either acceptance of other people from other cultures or there's not acceptance Mm -hmm. and being able to see the um literally the spectrum of you know ironic when we're talking about neurodiversity but to be able to Mm -hmm. see the spectrum and to see the the nuance as educators is so important because if we are thinking in black and white thoughts of oh i yelled that means i'm a bad teacher that's it for the day i'm burnt out it's over but if we can see ourselves in process in growth in flux in uh in, in just learning then we can actually model that for our students and we can support mm-hmm. students in that. It is a complete game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, with, when you're running these workshops with teachers and educators who are, are trying to implement these things, um, some of them for the first time, who maybe this is a really foreign concept, what are some mm-hmm. of the worries that teachers bring to the table when they're, when they're first kind of, oh, this is their first taste of what SEL can look like? So. SEL, because because of the black and white presentation that the media presents it in, Mm -hmm. there's a lot, a lot of hesitation. There's a lot of fear Um, because people are sensing the issues with the black and white. They don't necessarily aren't able to put their their finger on it, but they say like, um, I'll have parents who will tell me, oh, I'm I'm scared if I teach social emotional learning, my child's going to then want to switch genders. Like that's a concern I hear from my goodness. 
or because that's what, that's when we hear about social emotional learning mm-hmm. or that they're going to, um, that's what the media is presenting. Mm-hmm. It's so black and white. It's, it's so dramatic because that's what sells, you know, and of course the Facebook echo and all those things aren't supporting that, mm-hmm. you know, are, are supporting that black and white thinking, but we have a lot of educators that also are afraid of the social emotional learning because they say, I, I'm, I'm scared of the of this black and white thinking. I'm scared that it's gonna mean that I have to be okay with having somebody disrupt my classroom because they have a diagnosis. That's gonna mean that I have, to, you know, that's a very, very big issue that I bump into with social, with talking about it. And, and, and the, the, you know, even, even for many schools that where they won't wanna have a social emotional training come in because they're scared of that. Um, you know, I want, I want my, I, I, and, and also even from a therapist perspective, um, I've seen this even on, on like the shaming that goes on. Like if you don't, if you don't know how to support somebody who is, let's say, uh, experiencing uh, gender dis- dysmorphia, right? They don't know how to, they, and, the, and the therapist doesn't know how to deal with it. And then there's the shaming on Facebook of, of, you know, how could you not know how to, and wait, maybe this therapist is also going undergoing their own process and that perspective taking there it's the the black and white thinking within social emotional learning which is ironic because it's so antithetical to what social emotional learning is actually about but what's happening because it's easier to think in black and white than it is to think in nuance and to think in subtlety and to think in in expansiveness it's, you know, fixed mindset mm-hmm. is, that, is exactly what we're bumping into, mm-hmm. is that challenge where um, educators and therapists and parents are, are nervous, right? And I think rightfully so of that rigid approach to social emotional development, where that's what social emotional development means, it means that you have to become more, uh, le- less, let's say parents will say, I have to feel like I have to let go of my values if I'm going to have social emotional learning, mm-hmm. that that's right. the that's the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as practically, um, because again, because we're working on being able to to grow our our own uh, flexible thinking. So, like sometimes teachers will have all or nothing mindset. They'll say like, "I can't do IC. I think I feel it's too much to do during the classroom day." Mm-hmm. So that is a rigid thought. Okay, can you do it one time during their session? Mm-hmm. Or can you do it? Okay, this student is so disruptive. Okay, can I give it to him? Can I model it for him one time during each? subject or not, or once a day, or, you know, being able to like really integrate the social emotional within our own selves as our, as educators, as therapists, as parents, Mm -hmm. and in that way, support our students and and our, and our children and being able to become more empathic, more loving, more forgiving, Mm -hmm. more growthful, more, uh, empowered, you know, more, uh, directed and, and really just all the things that we want for them with through mm-hmm. social emotional learning, but that, mm-hmm. that is the goal. So the more that we as educators and are able to actually practice the things that we're telling our students, we want them to do mm-hmm. the more that they'll, the, you know, our schools and our communities and our governments and everybody will be able to be, you know, amenable to supporting, mm-hmm. you know, loving connection, which is the goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so when you go into schools and you're implementing social emotional learning, what are some mistakes that you're seeing happening already? Like when people are first starting out, there's bound to be, you know, a lot of trial and error. And so what are some of the things that you, you see as, um, I guess the mistakes that folks can make in social emotional learning ways that they can be mindful when they first start approaching this so that they don't make those same kinds of mistakes. Um, so I wouldn't say, I would say it's really very much a structural thing. So let's say a school will have a social emotional curriculum. So they'll have their social emotional time. Well, either the, you know, the school counselor will come in or the social emotional director will come in, or even the teacher will do a social emotional session. In my mind, what that does to our students, for our students is tell them, this is a separate subject. This isn't actually having to do with your life. This is just like we talked about volcanoes. And it's just like we talked about Africa. This has nothing to do, it's not relevant. And in my mind, the more separate the social emotional curriculum is and disparate it is, the less integrated and our students feel with it and the less we I actually see change happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the skills for connection curriculum, it's like a social emotional learning RTI model where 
it's within your classroom, it's within your therapy sessions, it's throughout the day, the teachers become masters of it. Mm-hmm. As I was saying, it supports the teachers also, but they're able to integrate it within the day where instead of it being like, oh, this it's is not just like subject. written on the board from exactly. 10 to 1030, we're doing social emotional learning on Tuesday. Exactly. It's like part of every single day. It's a practice. Exactly. It becomes the way that we deal with problems. Mm -hmm. How do we deal with behaviors? How do we deal with the student in the classroom that's struggling? Okay. So how do we all interact with that? Because we all are interacting with it, whether we say it or we don't say it. We're either experiencing in our, in our desk, having judgment for that student. We're either having uh, compassion for that student. We're either trying to ignore that student. We're frustrated, whatever the experience is, we are going to have an experience. Now, the teacher has this amazing opportunity to support our kids and educate our kids through all the dynamics. It's not a separate concept. Mm -hmm. Walking in the classroom, walking in the hallway and being quiet in the hallway is a perspective taking exercise because we're thinking about, I'm excited to go have recess and they're trying to take their test. Mm -hmm. Now, now that I'm being quiet in the hallway, that is a perspective taking exercise. It's not about like, okay, so I watched that YouTube video and we talked, sang this song or we did this, you know, there's mm-hmm. space for that. I'm not saying there's not space for that, but I don't find that effective. I would say that's one of the biggest issues with social emotional learning programs that are, that, you know, that's what I was finding, which is why I created a skills. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so great because I think there's also this like inner work that you're talking about too, from mm-hmm. the teacher's piece, where it's not just about like, when you have a curriculum that you're meant to follow, it's here's the information. Now you go and absorb it or do what you want with it or connect with it or don't or whatever. But when you're also as a teacher, you, you know, you've got an internal process and, and, uh, you're growing along with your class. That's a really different experience that your students are going to have when you're also practicing self-reflection and you're also practicing and modeling what this social emotional learning is. Because I know for my generation, at least we never did this, had these conversations in school. Like, you know, it wasn't until I was in university when we would start talking about what mindfulness even was and how to be Mm -hmm. present and how to acknowledge your emotions. And the, when I did my master's in counseling, it was a lot of unpacking your own stuff. And so it was like, Oh my God, like now having to look inward all the time. (laughs) And, and I think that, you know, we as educators have, have not always been in a position where we're encouraged to do that, to look inward and to be a little messy sometimes and to acknowledge that we're not perfect, unflawed people. And that, you know, really the best way that we can teach for our students is to be unperfect and to be, uh, you know, these open beings who can, who can come back from a mistake and model what that can look like and can model what emotions are and give new language for new emotions that students might not have access to yet. And yeah, and that's way more meaningful work and way more meaningful connection and relationship building across your entire year with a student rather than this is socially emotional learning month. Yes, very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel, I feel uh, very much in in sync with what you're describing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what are some kind of like foundational tools if somebody after listening to this episode said, you know, I'm really inspired. I want to do some of this work in my classroom. What tools would you suggest that they first start looking at using or kind of first step uh, Mm -hmm. to, to being more social, emotional and doing that work in their classroom? So I do have like some like free training demos that I have on my website, skillsforconnection.com. Um, I try and share as much as I can on podcasts, just make it accessible for people. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I have like different podcasts that are more directed towards parents and you know you could just google skillsforconnection.com skills for connection i can link uh, to it in in the description too to make sure people have your have your info you know so i have like demos that are available we have our trainings that we have um that teachers will do like on their own and then they can have like a free one-to-one consult like after they've done the training so that way they could see okay so I have this one student how do I how do I use this perspective taking tool for that how do I use a problem solving tool for that how do I use an emotional regulation tool for that um the you know the the most basic let's say you're focusing on social skills then you could just go to Amazon and you know bubble double and that has like a whole social skills Mm -hmm. framework built into it the wording the 
you know, the visualizations really can serve as if you're, you know, in a classroom and you want to do a social skills, you know, throughout the year, you can literally use one page a day or one page a week and focus on that page as your, as, as a, you know, a stepping board for the rest of, mm-hmm. you know, that week. Okay. So this week we're trying to talk about, um, we're trying to talk about, uh, uh, there's, I'm trying to think there's like tons of examples <laughs> in the book, um, ed- greetings or whatever, mm-hmm. or um, personal space, or, you know, a- any of the tools that we have in there, uh, self-awareness or uh, self, all those things that are, that have that framework. If you just go to Amazon and bubble double or join the Facebook group skillsforconnection.com. Uh, but, yeah, and, and always you're feel free to email me, Miriam at skillsforconnection.com. And I'm very available awesome. <laughs> to be able to Thank answer you. questions. I'm, I'm so passionate about helping support our educators at this. Yeah. And I think you've given so much information about, you know, ways to completely reframe thinking around it too, which is always the first step, right? When you come in and you, you're feeling hesitant, it's because there's this anxiety about what it's going to look like. And you've given some really concrete examples and tools that can very easily be applied literally tomorrow on Monday. You can walk into class and away you go and start something totally different. And um, like what an empowering model for educators to be able to approach their classes with this and to know that at the end of at the end of the day, you know, burnout, like I talked about it before, but burnout, it's uh when we feel like we can't help and we feel like we're not doing our best, but not only that, when we also are feeling like we are trying everything and nothing's happening and we are hard on ourselves for that reason, that's where we are met with burnout. We walk away and we think, yeah, nothing works, but I'm a terrible teacher. And you said that, right. We, we can walk away thinking I did that wrong and I'm, I'm terrible. And, and this gives, really concrete ways to be like, actually, no, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to come back from them. And, um, you're not a terrible teacher. And the fact that you are even having that inner monologue with yourself and having that internal process is exactly why you're not a terrible teacher, because you are wanting to make those improvements. And, and all of the pieces that you've given are, is, you know, anybody who's worried about that black and white thinking, now they know, actually, it doesn't have to be black and white. It's very nuanced work. Yeah, very much. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. I, I, I've been hearing really beautiful things from what school and teachers, even internally, have been able to accomplish. So yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you for this opportunity to share this here. Of course. Thank you so much for coming and, and for being here. I'll link to your website uh, in the descriptor for this episode. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful that you were able to share all of this insight today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Miriam. Take care. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get all new episodes every two weeks and uh, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a review and let me know what you think, or let me know what you think in the comments. If you want to find past episodes or you want to stay up to date on future episodes, or you want to read the blog posts that often complement the podcast episodes, you can find them all at www.thecontemporaryeducator.com or you can find me on Instagram at teach.emote.repeat.